I'm so glad and thankful today for blessed assurance that I'm His and He's mine. I'm glad I've got a story. And, uh, I believe it was David in the Psalms that uh, talks about God planting His feet on a solid rock and establishing His goings. And so I'm glad that God only not only just saves us, He establishes our goings. And He says He's put a song in my mouth. And I'm glad I've got a story and a song. Hollywood today seeks and searches for stories that will captivate an audience and, and to make money off of film and literature. There's no greater story than what's contained within this book. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. No other religion, no other religion to save ours has a God came down in the form of man and died for the sinner. We're unique in that. And I'm glad even when we were sinners, He died for us. Thanks be unto Him for His unspeakable gifts today. Something on your heart before we go any further. I'd ask you to turn to Ruth chapter 2. And then a verse or two in Romans chapter 5. Ruth chapter 2 and Romans chapter 5. Enjoyed our Sunday school lesson this morning very much. I appreciate all of our teachers. I would give the invitation for all of you to come out and be with us in Sunday school. It's where we can learn our foundation. A lot of times as a preacher, uh, there's just not enough time to teach. Um, and, and so uh, you learn a lot more in Sunday school uh, sometimes, and, it, and, and a lot of times it coincides exactly with the message, and, and it does a little bit today. But I'd, I'd give that invitation out uh, and especially you with children and grandchildren. Um, come and let them learn about the Lord from a young age. I'm glad I was taken to a place from the time I could walk. And I still remember those. I mean, before school even started, I can remember being in Sunday school and, and uh, just being around the church and the people of God and, and uh, establishing in me that foundation. That when the time came when I was lost and God called me out of that darkness, that I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to seek Him. And, uh, and so it's so important to get your children. Um, uh, and uh, believe me, if, if uh, the world will teach them a lot of things, but they won't teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that falls on the parents, grandparents, and upon the church. Um, uh, Ruth chapter number 2 um, and it's, I do need your prayers. Please remember me this morning. And Ruth chapter 2, uh, such a powerful book. Just four chapters, but so much in there. Uh, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me go now to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. 
And her half was to lot on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came, and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she had tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully shewed me all that thou hast done to thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of thy bread. And dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. And he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. Now over to Romans chapter 5, just a few verses at the end of that chapter. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I had sort of had this thought on my heart for several weeks now and and uh, about the time I would try to preach it or start to preach it, the Lord would shift me into a different direction. Um, but it, 
It's sort of funny how the, I was watching the ball game last night and, and Brother Dave called me after a bad call and, and I won't get into all that after a bad referee call and he said, do you think there's such a thing as karma and, uh, because of what just happened? And I was just thinking about uh, karma yesterday and, and karma is not a word of the Christian language. Uh, and I said, brother, there's no karma in religion, but there must be on the football field. But there are those who would talk about karma, uh, and, and certainly you do reap what you sow. I understand that. Um, but but I, I'm afraid, and Mike hit on it in Sunday school this week, uh, this morning, and Paul talked about it to the church, uh, to the Galatians in that letter. Uh, he said, brethren, you have begun so well. Who did hinder you? He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have been removed into another gospel. And so over the course of time, and it started early back uh, in the first century Christian church, and over the course of time it has gained steam that we, that we uh, being members of the body of Christ, we, uh, we have somehow, and we might not even realize it, but we have begun to mix in works uh, with grace. And I'll say this, grace will stand on her own feet and works have no part in it. Otherwise, grace is no more grace, Paul said to the Romans. If work is no more works, then grace is no more grace. And, and so I begin to think about uh, in religion, at least in our religion, in, in the God that I serve, uh, it is all and always has been by grace. And I've thought about grace just for the last several weeks. And, and, uh, and, and boy, you've been so good to me here. And God's been good to me. Uh, the McCamey sang a song called, I'm a Trophy of Grace. And so that's what I am this morning as I think about my journey through life. And, and even what I've experienced this year with the uh, mental health issues and this and that. And, and I'm just a trophy of grace that I'm able to stand before you. Uh, one more time, and I still have days that, that are hard and that I struggle, but, but God's grace is sufficient, not by uh, we've somehow got it in our mind that uh, because we come to church on Sunday, uh, that God owes it to us to be good to us through the week, but that's simply not true. He doesn't owe us anything. It's always and always has been by His grace and by His grace alone. And I mentioned a while ago that we are the only people on the face of this earth, the Hindus and the Buddhists, they'll believe in karma, they'll believe in reincarnation. I stand before you as one that simply believes in the grace of an Almighty God. And that while I was yet a sinner, and before I even thought about God, He knew me, He understood long before I was ever conceived in the womb that I would need a Savior. And so we have have grace today and we, we stand in that grace by faith but it's always been by grace and I thought about what happened to Ruth and to Naomi and that family and I thought about all down through the ages I know the Bible says in John chapter 1 that grace 
came by, by Jesus Christ and it did but there is grace in the Old Testament and now we live in the age of grace where God has come as a man it said the promise has been fulfilled it said the law Paul talked about the law in Galatians he said the law entered because of sin and because of offenses he said the law did enter and was there until the time came unto whom the promise was made that that man should come and grace and truth came by that man, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And John says in 1.16, we had grace upon grace, a grace for grace, and certainly He's given us grace upon grace this morning. But there are grace in the Old Testament. It was there. And even in the Garden of Eden when Adam fell, he just had one law. That's all that he had. And he couldn't even keep the one law. He disobeyed God. And God showed him grace. He showed him mercy and that He forgave him. But He showed him grace and that he there is a saving grace. There is a sustaining grace. There's a grace through every aspect of your life, no matter what situation that you might be in. And now, now Ruth was a daughter-in-law to Naomi. And Naomi and her husband had left Bethlehem. Bethlehem, that word means the house of bread. But there was a famine in the house of bread. There was, a, I would say to you this morning, in the churches of the living God, there is a famine of true worship of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. In the Old Testament, God finally grew tired and weary of them just going through the motions of worship. They began to offer unto Him not the best that they had, but read Malachi. He said, You're offering unto Me the lame and the blind. He said, you're robbing me and, and you're keeping that which is the best for yourself. He said, I'm sick of those things. I will not accept those things. And so there's a lot of churches today that are going through the motions that they have a name, but they are dead. And He admonishes us and warns us in the book of Revelation to be strengthened, be strengthened and faithful and strengthen those things that remain that are ready to die. I would say to you, one of the things that are ready to die is just purely preaching the grace of God and purely worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. It's become a habit. We get up, we come to church on Sunday and, and we go through the motions. But my friend, if it had ever enter into our soul one time about God's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm telling you, it would change the way we worship God. It would change everything about us. And Naomi found herself in that situation. They, uh, Ruth and her husband Elimelech had left Bethlehem. And they got down into Moab. And the Bible said they continued there. And I'm not going to preach on that. I did once during a revival here. But I will park there just a minute. Uh, there are lots of people, lots of saved people uh, are content living in Moab. It seems they no longer worship God the way that they used to. The way that they were raised. But uh, they've grown away from that teaching and they've entered into this works-based faith in this works-based gospel and thinking somehow or another that we can earn favor and merit with God, that we can chalk that up that I did this for God and so now He will do this for me. Now that's not the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now that is the gospel of this world and it's 
purely an amalgamation and an abomination in the sight of God. For it's all by grace through faith. And my friend, if He gave you not grace today, uh, you wouldn't be able to serve Him. Uh, you wouldn't be able to worship Him. And they left the house of bread and they dwelt in Moab and they just continued there. And so a lot of people today are just continuing in that mess of the world. Continuing in that religion of the world. Uh, continuing uh, wallowing in that mire. Uh, continue going back to the vomit of this world. I'm glad there's something greater for us. I'm glad it's the grace of God. I'm glad that grace is unmerited favor. In other words, He bestows upon you grace. And the definition of grace is unmerited something you cannot earn. The Bible says that in the, in the, in the generations of Noah, uh, when he destroyed the world, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It didn't say Noah earned grace. It said Noah found grace. I'm so glad, thank God, one night I found grace in the eyes of God. I'm so glad I was a sinner, wretched and lost. And like the Apostle Paul, he didn't earn grace. He, we talked about him in Sunday school this morning. He said, I have whereof to glory in the flesh. I'm in Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul was rich. He was brought up at the feet of Gamal. He, he learned from the very best scholars. He was a man of means. He was a, was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, the law has concerning that I'm blameless. But you know, when the grace of God, he said in Galatians, when the grace of God called me out, who separated me from my mother's womb, I revealed His Son in me. And my friend, that's when the grace of God got a hold of Paul. It struck him down on the road to Damascus. And Paul certainly didn't earn favor with God. If anything, he would have earned damnation and condemnation because how he had treated the Lord's people. But Paul didn't earn grace, but Paul found grace in the eyes of God. And when God called him down, on the road to Damascus I struck him down with blindness and he said, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the prince. And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And what shall I do? And God said, Arise and go into a man named Mananias and he's going to lay his hands on you. Ananias, God said unto him, I've chosen this man that he might bear my name before the Gentiles. In other words, the grace of God. Paul wasn't looking for God that day. Paul was looking for Christians to persecute. But the grace of God found Paul right where he was at. Boy, I'm so glad, thank God, that one night the Lord who revealed His Son in me, He found me by His grace. I read you the story about, about Boaz. So there they were in Moab, and Elimelech died, Naomi's husband. And so then her two sons died, and she was left alone with her two daughters-in-law. That's all she had. But word came to Naomi that there is now bread back in Bethlehem. I want you to understand this today. You that are saved and maybe just walking far off from Him and maybe don't have that fire that you had at first and maybe have lost a little bit of that zeal. Maybe those who might be listening in the parking lot or later on the recording, maybe some of you here today, certainly I've been in those places and I've been in those situations. I would say to you today that the bread is still here. That the house of God is still here. Uh, there's still grace to be found if you just get out of Moab and come back in the fold of God. You'll find grace. 
You won't earn it, but you will find it. Hey, you'll find grace when you begin to serve God. Hey, when you begin to honor and glorify His Son. I'm telling you today, nothing that you could ever do that pleases the Father more than begin to brag and boast about His Son, Jesus Christ. If you want to bring honor into the Father, you begin to worship the Son. And that will bring glory to the Father which sent Him. I'm telling you today, the Spirit of truth is out in all the world. The true Spirit of God that still testifies in all of His true churches today about a man named Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit of God that reveals His Son in you when you're lost and separated that you can be saved by His grace through faith. And so there they were. And Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, just go back and return back to your family. Go back home now. There's nothing left for you here. I'm going back to Bethlehem. And I'm on my own. And they, they hugged and they wept. And the Bible said, we'll stay with you. And she said, why would you stay with me? She said, I'm old. I have no husband. And even if I had a husband today, would you wait and had a son today? Would you wait for those sons till they're grown and marry them? She said, it does you no good to stay with me. God has forsaken me. And she said, I went out of Bethlehem one way and now I'm bitter. She said, God Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Sometimes it does feel like that. And sometimes you think, and it's the fleshly part. It's the part that needs rooted out of the church. It's the fleshly part that begins to say, but God, have not I done this? Why are you thus and thus dealing with me? I'm going to tell you something. All that I've been through in my life, I don't know why God had those things in store for me. But all I can do today is stand and say I'm a witness. I'm a living testimony of the trophy of the grace of God. And so if what happens to you falls out to the furtherance of the Gospel, then blessed be God Himself who sent you those hard times when you don't understand. And Orpha, the Bible says, she did go back home. But there was a lady by the name of Ruth that said she claimed to Naomi. And she said, where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'll stay. She said, where you die, I'll die. And where you're buried, I'll be buried. And your God shall be my God. Uh, boy, there was something about Naomi. There was something about her uh, that Ruth loved. I believe it was she saw grace. I believe that she saw all that Naomi had been through. And even though she was bitter, she still saw enough grace to want to serve her God. I'm telling you today, if you want our lost to be saved, it's about time we begin to get happy in the Lord uh, one more time. I will stand up and shout at ball games and whatnot. I would never let it come in the house of God. I'm telling you, if it ever entered into your soul one time, what the grace of God really is and how good it really is that we couldn't help but stand and thank Him for all that He's done for us. And so she went, and she went with Naomi, and they came back into Bethlehem, and she said unto Naomi, I'm going to go out and see if I can find some food. It was a law in Israel that when the, that when the farmers and, and, and the masters of the field, when they reaped their harvest, they would round the corners, and they would let the poor of that place come and, and gather in among the reapers, 
And, and so the reapers would leave some corners and, and what the reapers would miss, they allowed the poor of that land to go down through behind them and begin to pick up things. I'm glad today I picked up a few things on this journey of life. I'm glad that there's been some grace. Boaz even told her later on, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he told those reapers, he said, you let fall some handfuls of purpose. In other words, you purposely leave some behind that she may have. And I thought about that last night and this morning. And I'm glad that men who have went on before me, they've left behind some handfuls of purpose that I've come along in these latter days that I've come along behind them and just gleaned after them and begin to gather them up. I'm telling you the things that's went on before you and me wherever born, we've gathered those things up and we better hold tight to them. And my friend, he, she said, I'm going to go out among the fields. And she just happened, it says, uh, to light upon a field of a man by the name of Boaz. She had no idea who Boaz was. She just happened to come by that field. It was the grace of God that led her to that very field. For he was a near kinsman. And she didn't know that. But here's what I want to get to. And I'll try to hurry. Boaz came about this time at the end of the day. And he began to lay his eyes upon her. And he asked the master among the reapers, Who's this woman? Who is she? In other words, something drew his eye to her. Who is she? I believe it was love at first sight. I believe that there was something that stirred inside of Boaz. Matter of fact, I know it was. Because he said, who is this woman? And she don't look like the other women. She was a Moabite. And, and, and she wasn't of the daughters of Jerusalem. He said, who is she? And they said, this is she that came Back with Naomi. This is the one. Her name is Ruth. And she's that Moabitish woman that came back with Naomi. And now she's been gathering and gleaning among the reapers. And he said she's been here from this morning. And she's still with us now. She's worked hard. She's gathered all she can. And he said you leave her alone. He went over to her and he said, don't go into any other field. He said, when you're hungry, come to my house and eat. And when you're thirsty, my men will give you drink. I'm so glad today the grace of God is there. If you're really hungry and thirsting after something good, the grace of God will lead you to the field where you can find joy and happiness and satisfaction and blessed assurance. And from that time forward, Boaz, you know what he did? He began to woo her. And he began to draw her. He began to be good to her. That's exactly the way that God Himself works. He begins to woo you and draw you. He begins to reveal in you His own goodness. He begins to reveal in you, I am the bread of life. Hey, whosoever cometh unto me shall never hunger and shall never thirst. If you want living water, come to me and drink of it. If you're wanting living bread, I am that true bread that came down from heaven. I am He that giveth life into the world. And my friends, He begins to draw men by His own mercy, by His own goodness. And Ruth was drawn to Boaz. And she fell upon her face and she said, Why have I found grace in thy sight? And why have you been so good to me? 
He, she said, I'm not like your other handmaidens. And I've asked that question different times to God. Why? Why out of all the people have you been so good to me? Because I'm not as good and as great as these other men of God are. I'm not as worthy to stand and to preach. I'm not as worthy to carry your word. I'm not as worthy to pastor a church as these. Why have you been so good to me when I'm not like these other brethren? And the answer has always came back. It's by my grace. By my grace. I'm telling you, if I had to earn it, I'd have lost it. If I had to keep it, I'd have lost it. But I didn't earn it. I did nothing to merit salvation. All I did was fall down and prostrate before God one night as a lost, hell-bound sinner. And when mercy was extended to me, heaven came down and it filled me up. And I laid hold of that grace. And I began to pray and to cry and to beg. I began to plead with God to save me. I began to cry out to One for whom grace has heaped upon grace. And I didn't earn it that night. But like Noah, I did find it that night. And you know what's been with me down through the years? There's a saving grace that I got that night. There's a sustaining grace that I've had with me since then. Even when times are hard. Even on those hardest days. When you don't feel like, have you ever been there? Maybe none of you have. I've had days here recently. I don't even want to get up. I mean, when when, when you wake up in the morning and you're just ready for it to be bedtime, you can't seem to face another day of trial and another tribulation. There's so much pressure and weight from outside, from within. That's what Paul said, fighting's without and fighting's within. He said, that's what I strove after. And he said, I fought with the with the beasts at Ephesus. And he said, all of that would profit me nothing if the dead rise not. But now, he said, hath Christ risen. The grace of God. I'm glad. Thank God. It's to, you are living in the day of grace. I've heard it said that men are sinning away the day of grace. And I would have to agree with that. We're in the day of grace. The Bible said, and I read to you, that, that the law entered that sin might abound. In other words, the law was brought into place. And those Ten Commandments and the other 600 that went along with those 10, the law entered in to show men their sins. If you don't believe that, Paul said that. But we were on our honeymoon in Gatlinburg. And I've told this maybe here before, but I always get a kick out of it. We were at Gatlinburg on our honeymoon 23 years ago. And uh, we were at a little putt-putt golf course. And, and it was full of uh, taxidermy. And there was a big alligator there. And there was a sign there that said, Please do not touch. And what do you think that made me want to do? <laughs> but I didn't. But she did. <laughs> she eased over to it and looked around and touched it and backed off. That is our nature. The law entered that we might see ourselves as sinners. That's the purpose of the law. Thou shalt not touch. It just makes the flesh want to touch it. Because that's your nature. But where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I'm so thankful 
And that we're not under that law. That that law points you to one with the grace. When they took that woman taken in adultery in the very act, they brought her to Jesus, thrust her down on the ground, and said, What saith you? We've caught this woman in adultery in the very act. And Moses and the law says she ought to be put to death. And they asked Jesus, What are you going to do about that? They were testing Him. Is He going to take a hard stance? Or is he, going to, is he going to break the law and be lenient? And the Bible said he just stooped down. I thought there's not a more perfect picture of grace than that. They, they had her. They had her dead to rights. And then I thought about myself. I was caught dead to rights in my sin. I had no excuse to offer. That whole time the woman just stood there wondering probably thinking the law says I should die and so I'm about to draw my last breath. And he just began to stoop down and write grace in the dirt. Just to write grace in the dirt. And he said, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He could have. He was without sin. But he just stooped down and began to write. And one by one those accusers left. I'm telling you, there's been times the old accuser of the brethren has drugged me before God, has thrust me down at His feet and said, what are you going to do with this one? He's a preacher and a pastor. I look at the sin in his life. I look at You know what God's done? He's run the devil off and His grace has been sufficient. Even when I was caught dead in sin, dead to rights, Jesus said, Woman, where are those that accusers? Does no man stand against you? And she said, No man, Lord. And he said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. I'm telling you, when I was lost, he had me dead to rights, guilty of breaking the law. Guilty. There was nothing I could say to plead my case. But grace walked in, and mercy walked in, and he took my place. On the cross of Calvary. I don't know why He took my place, but for and by the grace of an Almighty God. I want you to understand today how big that grace is. As I said, we live in a work-based society. You do a good job at work, you get a promotion. You do a good job at work, you move up the ladder. And there's nothing wrong with those aspirations. But when it comes to religion... Paul had climbed that ladder. We talked about it in Sunday school. He said, I, he said, I was more zealous and excelled my, my brethren. He said, I did more than all of them done. But he, he said, I gave it all away. He gave away all of his wealth, all of his money, all of his power, all of his authority, and found himself in a dungeon riding into churches and begging them to be strong in the grace. Not in the works, but in the grace. Now, having said that, there is the work to be done. But works are done because of your faith. Faith doesn't come about because of your works. Faith comes about because of grace. Works come about because of your faith. And all three will work together to honor God. But it's by grace are you saved through faith. All of you that have ever been saved, Satan had you dead to rights. He had you there just like those Pharisees had that woman in adultery. I mean, they had it. 
Joseph and his story, and it's too late to try to preach that. But I read that this week. And his brothers showed him no mercy. His brothers sold him into slavery as a teenager, as a 17-year-old boy. They sold him into slavery. He got into Egypt a slave. And he found grace in the eyes of God. And in the eyes of, in the eyes of his captor, he found grace. And he set him over all that he had in his house. And, uh, and all that he had was put into Joseph's hand. And then the captor's wife told a lie about Joseph. And so the captor cast him into the dungeon. And he was in the dungeon for years. But he found grace in the sight of God. And the prison guards gave him the power over all the prisoners. And Pharaoh's butler and baker was cast in. And Joseph interpreted dreams. And I'm not going to get into that story. But he said, when you get out of here, just remember me. He said, I've not done anything worthy of being put into this place. So the time came after two more years. Joseph still in prison, still wasting away, still finding grace. And the time came that he stood before Pharaoh. And I will not get into how, but he stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh promoted him to be ruler over all of Egypt. He sustained away. There was a famine in Canaan land. And his whole family had to come. And the brothers that sold him into slavery at 17, at 17 years old, and probably about 20 or so years later, and they stood before Joseph. And Joseph, being a type of Jesus Christ, extended grace to them. He had every right to cast them out. But he said, God has done this and He sent me before you that I might prepare a way for you to live. And so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent His own Son before us that He might prepare a way through mercy and grace that we can live forever. Not of any works. Not of any merit. But it's by grace. If you've been saved, I promise you, it was because the grace of God as Boaz did to Ruth took notice of you in your lowest state, while you were a sinner, while you were wretched and miserable, while you were dead to rights, called breaking the law, He looked upon you as Boaz looked upon Ruth. And He said, Who's this one? And He drew near to you. And He began to woo you and draw you unto Himself and to His cross and to His precious blood that made the atonement for sin. You would have never cried out for forgiveness if the grace of God hadn't found you in that lowest saint. That's why it has to be by grace. Because man, much like I told you about Michelle, man will touch that alligator just despite the law of God. Because that's who we are. We're sinners. But it's the grace of God that while we're touching that alligator, it's that grace of God that says there's a better way. There's a, there's a, there's a better life. There's a better land. Come out of Moab and come to the house of God and the house of bread and I'll give you everlasting life. Ezra said this, and I'm done. Ezra said when they were in captivity under Persia, 
He said, For a space, O God, Thou hast let Thy grace shine and save the remnant that we might go and build the waste cities. I'm telling you, in these last days, it's by the grace of God that there's even a remnant left hanging on to the old ways. When most have put works above grace, when most have put works above all, you can't earn the goodness of God. I don't care how many days you go to church, how often you pray, that does not earn you merit in God's eyes. If He's been good to you, it's all by His grace. All by His grace. From the family you were born into, to the church that you set in now, to the job that you've had, to the job that maybe you even despise, He's placed you there by His grace that you might glorify Him and His amazing grace. I am what I am, Paul said, by the grace of God. He said, I was a Pharisee and a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a master of the law, but he said, all of those things I counted but dumb. I counted them lost. He said that I might gain Christ. I counted all of those things lost that I might know Him. And He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I told you a minute ago that there's been hard days recently for me. I didn't want to get up and take a shower. But I stand before you today a trophy of grace. The McCainies in that song say, I'm a part of the results of the cross at Calvary. And so today, I'm a part of the results of the cross of Calvary. And I'm a trophy of grace that He's still been good to me. That's my message. hope it sets well with you if you're here today and lost. His grace has been extended to you one more time. And you have another opportunity to seek Him. Is He wooing you and drawing you? If you're here and been saved and... I know you live in this callous, cold world because I live in it too. And sometimes you just lose that holy fire. I'm telling you, we ought to pray for the grace of God to fall down upon His churches one more time. To just let His Spirit walk up and down these aisles and in and out of the pews. And just let the grace of God fall and land where it lands. God bless you. Go ahead with a song, brother. Amen. Amen. Bless your heart.